So it's a test of your complexion. So if you are lighter than a brown paper bag, you can pass. If you are darker, then you can't. Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Olivia Cook. Olivia is a certified transformational success coach and NLP practitioner, podcast host, and motivational speaker. She helps service-based female entrepreneurs and content creators build habits to reach their next level of success, focusing on productivity, mindset, and using their menstrual cycles to their benefits. Her clients are able to increase their income, reduce their stress levels, and enjoy their success journey. So today we're talking about a different type of betrayal. It's something that happens all the time, and I'm so excited for my guest, Olivia Cook, to share her wisdom with us. We're talking about betrayal in the Black community. So if this is something that affects you, or you simply want greater insight into something you may not know much about, you're going to love this conversation. Here's Olivia. Okay, everybody. I am here with Olivia Cook, and I have to tell you, I specifically brought her in because I was on Olivia's podcast, and we started having the most amazing conversation once the recording was over. And I heard it, and I was like, you know what? We just have to bring you on to talk about this very important topic, and we're talking about uh, the betrayal of the Black community. So welcome, Olivia. Thank you so much, Dr. Debbie, for having me on. It's such an honor to be here and um, to talk on this specific subject. Yeah, because this is a topic that I don't think gets discussed. Well, at least it hasn't been discussed on my show, but I, I just... I remember when we started speaking and I was like, wow, you know what? This is such a different perspective. And I have to tell you, I just spoke this past weekend at this um, event, live event. It was so great to be in person. And it was all different perspectives, all different types of people. And there was one speaker who um, she's white. She married a black man and she was talking about what he goes through as opposed to what she goes through. And it was so eye opening. So I was so excited to just really, after hearing that, take the conversation so much deeper with you. So let's get started with what role does colorism, and I never even heard that word colorism until you had shared that with me. What's the role of colorism in the Black community? I'm going to just give a little bit of background for where I grew up, just to, to help. So I grew up as a Buddhist in the South, and I've grown up since, and now I, I am a Christian, but I have, I will say that I have more conservative values. Uh, my grandparents were Jehovah's Witnesses. And I, so I was already kind of an outsider within the black community as I did not participate in some of the same things that everybody else did. But one thing I did notice is, you know, I was, my mom went to school for African-American studies in library science, and she works for the Avery Research Center of African African-American studies, um, that's a part of the College of Charleston. So I was taught a lot of cultural things. And even from our sororities, like AKA, and that came out in 1918, I believe, they um, had a brown paper bag test, like, and they were all lighter skinned uh, in the beginning. Now, this isn't to say that that's the case now, but it was very much ingrained in our community. And I don't mean to, yeah, I don't mean to, tell me what the brown paper bag 
means. So it's a test of your complexion. So if you are lighter than a brown paper bag, you can pass. If you are darker, then you can't. Um, and and they and this isn't. I'm not going to just point out the AKAs. Like I'm just going to say, like that was one of the things that was said. I'm not saying that that's all for be it, but that is one of the examples. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have been churches as well. Certain societal things to be allowed. Um, you'll constantly hear, oh, you were a house person or you were a field person. All of those things are still perpetuated in our society in certain demographics. So being, being lighter skinned is looked at as more attractive in a lot of situations. And so dark skinned women and light skinned women specifically, it's always been this thing and it's very, very detrimental. Um, This is not only in American culture, but um, in Jamaican culture, they are constantly trying to bleach themselves in certain African cultures. It's bleaching themselves to be lighter. Um, And it's just, it, my biggest purpose of doing this is to speak on the amount of healing that we need to have on so many different aspects. But colorism is just one of those things where it's like, as soon as we look at each other, that's a judgment. You know, you're less than if you're darker. And I don't, I don't believe that. I don't condone that, but it's, it is one of the things that um, is pointed at, made fun of, or if you're in a dark skinned family and you're lighter skinned, you're, you're picked at. Um, So it goes both ways. Well, so this is so interesting. I've never even heard of that. So you're saying that there's a difference between someone who's darker skinned and lighter skinned. Like there's this sort of rivalry. Mm-hmm. And yeah. how does it, what would be the, is it, is it spoken about? Is it just understood? Is this one of the unspoken things that just goes on? I just want, I want to make sure my audience and me understands it. I now I don't witness that that much nowadays. Okay. However, I can watch certain things online and those same things are brought up. Granted, my friend circles are different and a lot more diverse. So we don't focus on color, but I know, and there was a, a, a rapper um, from Jamaica that actually faked bleaching her skin to bring more awareness to it. Um, her name begins with an S and I forget, but she was on love and hip hop. Um, and, um, she, so it's, it's very much still an issue. Cause that happened a couple of years ago. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about some of the most common betrayals that you see in the black community, because I even look at that, like that's a betrayal. That's a betrayal of self. Here you are, you're, you're, born this one beautiful way and you're trying to alter yourself to, to, to fit in or show up differently. I mean, to me, that's a self-betrayal, but um, yeah. Tell me what goes on within the black community as far as betrayals. It really has to do with doing anything outside of the box is one of the common betrayals that I see. Um, There's a, there's a group think that we have And that is, you have to think a certain way when it comes to politics. You have to think a certain way when it comes to music. You have to think a certain way when it comes to the activities that you're doing. Um, If you're doing anything outside of the norm that is considered white or not black, you are so quickly to lose your black card. That is one of the betrayals that I'm constantly seeing. See me being conservative. That is, oh, well, you're not black because you don't vote Democrat. 
Like that's that's a very big thing. Um, and then it's not to say that I don't vote Democrat. I, I vote. I, I choose based off of my views and policies and, and the candidate. Um, but to not do things in the norm, that's a very common um, betrayal. Certain things that um. And, you know, and I'll just stop you there. It reminds me of Candace Owens. You know, some people love her and some people can't stand her. And I imagine uh, in the black community, she may be looked at as she's betraying the community because her ideas are very, very different. Yes. Yes. You're quickly to be called an Uncle Tom, um, to be called a coon, to be called like those are quick things just for thinking differently. Um, so it's, it's, we're not given that same freedom. Oh, and mu- choice of music. Um, I, <laughs> I did not know who Suge Knight was until straight out of Compton because my mom didn't let us listen to rap music until I was in the second grade. Uh-huh. And so that was way before my, he was before my time. And, <laughs> and I just, I, I, and this girl that was like, I had met like to be friends with, she judged me because I didn't know who he was. Like, I did not know some form of black culture. So like, it's just like, if you don't know certain things, you're not black enough. So that's, that's another common betrayal. Um, Some of the more deeper ones that I find is speaking out about mental illness. um, That is now it's a lot more popular now. It's a lot, and I'm so grateful for this. Um, but I think that that's one of the things that has held us back the most is because we won't allow ourselves to not be okay. We have this strong woman um, mentality too. Also the betrayal of our, our black men in our community, not being- well- and I don't want to rush through the mental illness one because that that's really important. So, so am I understanding you're saying that it's just you just in the black community community, you just don't talk about mental illness, just toughen up or you're bigger than that or stronger than that. Like what's the what's the what's the way around it and how do people navigate through that? And since mental illness is so broad, I'll I'll talk about things that necess- that might stem from abuse. So traumas. Mm-hmm. that you're dealing with childhood. We're not allowed to talk about things outside of, that happen in our home, outside of our home. So a lot of those things are withheld and kept within. And um, I think that this is not subject to only the black community um, mm-hmm. because I meet a lot. I think it's a generational thing, but it is something that is very prevalent. Now, when it comes to depression, um, that is one of those topics that we're not really you know, you can talk about it. And I think it, this has gotten better, but for a very long time, it's, oh, just go pray about it. Just go to God. Just, and, and it's ignored and not, you're not actually allowed to feel your feelings in a lot of these households. Um, granted, it's not all. And I think more of the issue is socioeconomic than race. I think it's very much um, those that are living in the poverty line or be- right below the poverty line they they're more subject to not acknowledge those issues than people that are more educated um, and middle class and upper middle class because it's more allowed to talk about. And I think it really is more of an economical thing than a race thing, but it is something that is very common in the black community. So give me an example. So here's, let's say a little girl, little boy, and they're getting bullied at school. And it's traumatizing for that little girl, that little boy, they go home 
and they and they want to share this with their family or get some support, what happens? Tell me, what do they say? What do they not say? What do they do instead? How does it show itself? You better go fight them. You're not a punk. Mm. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's like toughen up. There's no room for this, but there's also no kind of acknowledgement about the trauma that's being created in that poor little kid. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I do believe this is getting better, but I'm 29. Like I grew up that, that was the answer. You're not a punk. You better go fight. Right. Right. And then what do you do with that? Are you like, okay, that, that's my only option. Or did that not feel right for you? And you're like, I feel like there's a different way about this to go about this. And I mean, I was, that one was not the, the things my parents told me, but I think that, you know, that, that is why there are fights in schools too. When you, when it's, when it's condoned by your parents to, you know, fight. Um, And, and children also replicate what they see at home. So if they see violence at home, they're more likely to replicate that out in in person too, if they're not taught how to properly um, process their emotions, then those are the things that happen. And I honestly, I think that also relates back to not having a male mentor in the home in a lot of the, in a lot of the case scenarios that you see. And I think one of the other betrayals, that's not necessarily like that it's done, it's really impacted the black community is welfare and how it's promoted to not be married because you get more money if um if a man's not in the house and that is that has greatly impacted the black community wow okay so now and then of course if this is what we learn then we're like okay that's what we that's what makes sense and then we just keep repeating it because the people we love this is what we're learning from them mm-hmm. so now and I, I want to ask you like so many questions. I want to know how does that, so now you, you, you grew up a certain way and you see things uh, mm-hmm. from a very different perspective. Yeah. Knowing what you know now and seeing this and seeing maybe you have a very different perspective. How do you, how do you get other people who don't, or do you, do you try, do you not try get other, let's say young black men and women who don't understand this or are just so busy uh, living the way they're living because of what they've learned. How do you impact them? How do you influence them? I honestly believe that we have to nurture our children. We have to give them the resources to properly process their emotions, to know that it's okay to not be okay, to also understand that they're worthy and that they're loved. And that is so, so important. I believe that self-worth, like, I, I I was talking to my little brother about this and he thinks I'm so, he thinks very differently than me. And he's like, your mindset's very like W.E.B. Du Bois. You have all these high standards and you expect all, and I'm like, I'm not saying anybody has to live like me, but what is wrong with leveling up our standards for what we want in our lives, for what we expect of ourselves, for taking personal accountability. And, and I really believe it starts with teaching our children that people are set in their ways and just giving different role models. One of my biggest things is being a different type of role model than what they see. Um, Not necessarily a Candace Owens that's talking about politics, but definitely not a Cardi B or Megan Thee Stallion. And, you know, Black women have been sexualized in society for the longest. And 
giving a different viewpoint of you can be successful without showing your clothes and your worth, your, your mind is so powerful and feeding that, you know, really pouring into our, our youth and our children and those that are willing to make the change in their lives and know that they, they deserve to have the healing too. They don't have to stay the way they are. Right. And, and we can always change. I mean, that's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that now. Sexual abuse mm-hmm. and, and, and just even how you said how, how uh, maybe black women are sexualized and, and this kind of thing. Let's talk about that. What do you see within the community? It's another one of those situations that what's, what goes on at home, you're not allowed to talk about a lot of time. I've, I've seen this too. Like women will be jealous of their daughters. So oh, they wow. don't even have those types of genuine relationships and they'll get upset with their daughters. If their boyfriend um, molests them, they'll blame their daughters. Um, but hold on. They're bl- the mom is blaming the daughter if they get molested. And this is not every situation, but I've seen many situations that, you know, a girl might've told her mom and it's like, well, it's her fault. Or they're, or they're so quick to be like, the girl's so promiscuous, but they never ask, did anything ever happen to you? That is not even considered that they, they just, they, oh, she's so fast and this and this and this, but never actually go back to, okay, wait, did anything happen to you? That that question isn't asked. And um, and I'm not saying this is every situation, but in the ones that I'm seeing mm-hmm. that this is the issue that, that they, it's, it's treated that way. And, um, and when they hear, so, but when they hear about, let's say their daughter is molested, do they, they don't think to, there's no, it, it's about, it's about the girl. It's not about the person who did it. What That's did you not, do? What, you know, a lot of victim blaming um, in some of these situations and, you know, for young men as well, um, that are molested, it's, and I know someone that, um, that this was not a black person, but they were like, uh, it was a roommate of mine. He was homosexual and, um, his mom sold him to her neighbor. Oh, so like, these are some of the situations that happen, um, to children. Um, and they're not necessarily talked about so much or addressed. I think there's a huge disconnect when it comes to sexual abuse and those that need so many more resources for it than um, the ones that are actually like receiving. Now, I think all children that are, you know, sexually abused need proper resources. I just don't think that our lower income ones are getting that. Right. And think about it. Now here, this person, this this boy, this girl has been molested, sexually abused, and then they're almost, they're shamed for it. Mm -hmm. How in the world are they, you know, getting the help to heal from this? Because there's, it's a lot to process. It's a lot to move through. And if they're not even getting that validation or that acknowledgement from the people closest to them, I mean, what meaning could you possibly make of it? Well, it's got to be my fault. I'm bad. I'm wrong. You know, those would be the things that come from it. And so if that's then your belief, well, then think about the relationships you go into you know, yeah. with that, with that is your belief. So, so what about, let's say the parent of the molester, what goes on over there? Mm. Or the abuser, what, you know, let's say it's a parent uh, and they find out their child uh, uh, 
abused someone or molested someone or whatever. What what happens in that in that instance? I, I think it de- it really depends on the situation. Um, they they are also shamed though in most case scenarios. I know there was one case that the mother killed her oldest child for molesting her younger children. Oh um, I, that was a, a case that was in the news a, a, like a decade ago. Okay. Um, but I don't think that's that's the case all all altogether. But I think it is also something that is just not talked about yeah. as much. Tell me about groupthink in the black community. So this is this is similar to what I touched on earlier with you know not being able to think outside of the box, whether it's politically activities done. Um, for instance, let's say you like to go out on the boat. That is a white people activity. Skydiving is a white people activity. They and this isn't everybody, but a lot of times it's it's oh that's that's not an activity that we do. Um, so it's so, it can be yeah. Ahead. So okay, because like I just I, I the minute I met you and when you were interviewing me, I was like you're just so cool. I would love to meet up with you. Let's say we got together, mm-hmm. and here I you know I'm white, you're black, and I was like let's let's do something. Would it be a weird thing if I don't have a boat, but if I was like, let's go on a boat or let's go skydiving or what, what is it sort of this unspoken conversation of what we're able to do that sort of works for both of us? Like, tell me what goes on here. Because I've never I even thought about this stuff. I don't live to those standards at all. I do what I want to do. I do what I enjoy doing. Like, and I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Since I lived when I lived back in Charleston, South Carolina, I would only go, I lived two miles from the beach. I would only go to the beach twice during the summer because I didn't want to get darker. Um, then that's related to the colorism thing because, you know, I want it to stay lighter. Um, I'm not like that anymore. I spent this whole time I was out, I was at the pool. I was doing all the stuff. Granted, I do wear my sunscreen, hundred SPF because those rays come for everybody. And I don't like sunscreen. My, my nose gets, I mean, sun, you know, sunburn, but I personally, I love going out on the boat. I love going hiking there. And there are black people that like doing those things too. But I do think that it really, that depends on the person um, as far as like what they'll do and the types of activities that they, they do and what they're exposed to. But my, my friend, she, um, she was like, cause she'll walk everywhere. They call her a white girl for walking everywhere. Really? For yeah. walking. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's, it's, it's really, it's really interesting if in certain communities, like if they just want to get things like Ubered to them or just right in the area. Um, yeah, no, they, they won't walk or be outside during the daytime. Okay. All right. I am learning so much. So now it, it comes to mind. I have a cousin and she married a black man and they have two amazing kids Tell me about what goes on, because I imagine that's pretty stressful for the kids because, you know, here they are. They're they're You know, they could be in in the white community. Their mom is white. They could be in the black community. Their dad is black. Tell me what goes on in that instance. What's that like for them? My husband's mixed and they don't. And I think this is again, I think this is getting better. Um, and it, I think it does depend on the area that you live in, if you are in a very diverse area. Um, but he never fit in anywhere. You know, he was constantly when, when 9-11 happened, he, they, they really, 
he he was treated horribly from from white people in his area because he was looked at as a Middle Easterner, even though he wasn't. Um, so like they 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 receive a different type of dem- like uh, discrimination. I have noticed um, depending on what's going on with what they look like, um, and they are looked at differently from both communities, and it's 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 like they they stick out so. And he has talked to me about this, um, but he has also gotten over a lot of those limited mindsets and he's just who he is. And I think it's important for black people to understand it's okay to just be who you are. You don't have to like live to these standards or unspoken rules of how you should be. You can just be who, you know, you were created to be. And and so what a shame where you would think you're, you're a mix, you're black, you're white, you fit in everywhere. What you said was, you know, you don't fit in anywhere because of it. I mean, that's the, you know, that's the downside of it. Tell, talk to me about the crab bucket mentality. Cause it's funny. I use that same analogy and I'm wondering if we say it for the same reasons. So um, for those that are listening that don't know what a crabs in a bucket mentality is, it's when now there's crabs in a bucket. When one crab tries to get out, the other crabs will pull it down. And this is an example where, to me, um, and this there, there's been studies on this, Black wealth is at 5% of white wealth. So let's see, even if we're going to go be doctors, we're expected to pay for our families' homes and bring other people up with us. So it, it in turn will bring us further when, let's say, that same, that the white doctor they've got next to them makes, let's say they make the same amount of money, but their parents, they don't, they don't even have to do those types of things because they're more financially secure just from historically speaking. But those that go forward are expected to lift those up behind them. Um, And that in turn will bring them down. So what you're saying, if I'm understanding you, you're saying here's, let's say a a black woman who's, you know, in med school and becoming a doctor and everything else. And not only that, there's, I mean, like a gazillion dollars in debt when you go to med school and all of that. You're telling me she not only has to deal with her own debt, her response, she has a responsibility to take her whole family with her. Yes. And that's not everybody's situation, but in a lot of situations. It is that case if they are the one to make it just like sports NFL, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and I think having that financial education is so important. I think there's, there's so many different aspects. And I really think that it starts again with, with healing and allowing others to prosper and not thinking that someone else's gain is your loss. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of that too, where that relates to the crabs in the bucket mentality. Oh, well, if they, and we don't support each other in the black community. Now in Atlanta, it's more supported, but in certain, in other communities, no, not so much. Um, it's, it's, and I mean, it's getting better in certain situations, but in a lot of situations, it's, it's constantly like somebody else's win is your loss. And that's not even the case because it's a lack mentality yeah. and not an abundance mentality. Sure. So let's talk about religion. Mm-hmm. Tell me how religion plays a role in the black community. A lot of, a lot of black people are really religious Mm -hmm. and I'm one of those people that is relationship over religion all day. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And actually now I'm not saying that people that are religious don't have a relationship with God, but I think that in certain religious groups, it will separate um, families like Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm meeting a lot of other black Jehovah's Witnesses that were shunned by their family. And, um, and this is to go for, you know, pretty much anybody that has to deal with, with that, but it is commonly known if you're not, um, like this specific group, then you're not allowed in. So it's, it's a weird family dynamic as well. And that's one that I, I experienced personally with my grandparents being Jehovah's Witnesses, a few of my aunts and just the strictness of the religion, um, being that if you have a child out of wedlock, you are not allowed to, you're shunned for about a year and you have to go to the hall and sit in there and, um, watch as everybody shuns you. And then you can, you can ask for forgiveness, but then, you know, if you're discommunicated, you're not allowed to go to family events. You're not, they're not allowed to speak with you, not allowed to spend time with you. Um, so that, that creates a lot of trauma and it, it's just not healthy. It really well, isn't. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because I've heard that a few times in, in different religions to it. That's not the only mm-hmm. religion. And yeah. being a mom of four, I, I can't even fathom the, and maybe because I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. I can't mm-hmm. even imagine the idea of, I'm just going to listen to, you know, what this, group of laws is saying and not deal with my kids or not. I mean, that is for me unfathomable. So it's, um, but everybody's, everybody's different. That's just where I stand with that one. So as we wrap up, what do you want to make sure everyone knows? There needs to be an access and ability for healing especially in the black community, if we really want to move forward, because there are so many betrayals on so many different levels. And I believe that what the black community needs most is healing. And if, and if as a first step, like a first place to start, what do you see? Acknowledge, like being able to acknowledge the ability to acknowledge the hurts that they've experienced. We've experienced, and I know everybody's situation is different. You know, there's no one size fits all, but just speaking on it from like this standpoint of so many different things. Um, and just historically speaking, we're, we nobody's coming. There's not going to be any handouts. There's not going to be, we have to take our lives in our own hands and we're responsible for how we heal. Beautiful. Olivia, you just helped this audience so much with the wisdom that you shared. Where can we learn more about you and the great work you do? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I have a podcast for those of you listening. Um, it's called the empowered woman, badass and unfiltered where I share stories from women of women all over the world. Um, I also have a Christ driven band called relentless glory. And I am on, co- on Instagram as coach underscore live and TikTok on coach dot live. Uh, Olivia, thank you so much. Again, it was so great meeting you last time and diving in deeper to this conversation. I just, I know, I know my audience is going to get so much value and insight. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Debbie. 
I learned so much during my conversation with Olivia. I hope you did too. Stay in touch with her by going to oliviammcook.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. The most subtle things that you wouldn't think would be a big deal, like what music you listen to, what sports you like or play, and whether you walk or take an Uber somewhere, so many of the things we do every day are either acceptable or unacceptable within our own communities. Go along with it and you're accepted. Do something different and you can be judged, ridiculed, and shamed. It takes a strong person to do things differently and think outside the box. So while conforming may seem easier, it takes lots of confidence and strength to do something different. Like this episode? Share this podcast with a friend. How? From your phone, just take a screenshot of the podcast and share it with someone you know would benefit. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.